When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back. It is Jay Scott. It is the Hook Rocks, the ultimate rock community podcast. Once again, we always appreciate you tuning in and spending time with us. Please don't forget to write us a review when you are finished listening to the episode. These reviews mean a lot to the Hook Rocks, and they mean a lot to podcasts in general. So let us know what you think. We always appreciate the time. And as I always mention, we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, the official podcast platform for Metallica and their podcast. So please check out that and all the other music-related podcasts on PantheonPodcast.com. You can find my friends like Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast, as well as the Shout It Out Loud cast. So please check out all those and more. You can also find Pantheon Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well as The Hook Rocks on all three of those platforms. Just search up The Hook Rocks. Don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest episodes right to your phone. We've had some awesome episodes over the past few months. We welcomed Nita Strauss 
on our four-year anniversary show, the legendary guitar player from Alice Cooper, Dax Nielsen from Cheap Trick. We just had Chris Voss from The Record Company, a great new band that uh, you need to check out that conversation. It was more like two music fans having a conversation about music, the blues. Don't forget to check out the next chapter in our legendary guitarist discussions. We talk about Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin with our favorite luthier, Mike Longacre from Mike's Guitar Parlor. And we do a recap and review of the event I attended in Richardson, Texas for the Sweet Relief Fund, featuring some amazing new artists like Leonie Kilgore, Blackheart Saints, Christian Shields, Abby Kay, and also was hosted by my friend Ace Von Johnson. So please check out all those and more. My next guest today is, I can't say enough of the impact her husband had on my life, on my uh, younger years, through my adult years. Um, and it is a pleasure to speak with Miss Wendy Dio. How are you today, Wendy? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for doing this. It's a pleasure to speak with you. I don't know where to begin because there's so much to ask you uh, in regards to this documentary Dreamers Never Die, and the box set that's coming up too as well. But let's begin with the documentary. I've had the chance to view it a few times over the last several months. We have a special edition, or you have a special edition coming out that uh, has features more or less like a box set with a Blu-ray, DVD. There's some trading cards in the packaging too as well, a poster, a lot of great things for Dio fans, for Ronnie James Dio fans. And I guess my first question for you is when you're curating something like this and you're involved in putting this together, does this help you continue to keep connected to Ronnie? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when Ronnie passed, I decided that my lot in life was to keep Ronnie's music and his memory alive. And that's what I try to do all the time. And try to give some value for money to the fans, give them different things and things that I think they would, would want and appreciate different things. Um, and we try to, you know, put things out, um, that I think Ronnie would be happy that we're doing. You know, watching the documentary and what it did for me was it, flooded my my memory bank with all these great things that I attached to Dio as I was growing up. I still remember seeing the video for Rainbow in the Dark as a young kid and the last in line and just being mesmerized. One of the things that you said in the documentary that was very powerful was when you fell in love with him, you fell in love with his mind. And yes. it was such a, a, a fascinating statement to make. How did you fall in love with his mind? <laughs> well, you know, I met Ronnie um, at a party at Richard Blackmore's house. I was invited and um, he kept following me around. I was like, he's too short for me. He's way too short for me. Uh, but he, we got into conversation and we started talking. And, and then uh, it was like five in the morning. So a bunch of us all went down to Denny's and had breakfast. And he said, do you want to go for a drive to Malibu? So yes, okay, sounds good. So we went there and drove and, and we just, I don't know, we just clicked with what we were talking about. And then we started seeing each other for a couple of weeks. And I thought that was it because, you know, he was going on tour when I met Ronnie, they had just finished uh, Blackmore's Rainbow uh, recording, but they had not toured yet. 
And so, you know, um, we had had such a lovely time talking and, and getting to know each other and stuff. And then he went on tour. And then he called me and said, why don't you uh, quit your job and come on tour? I said, well, I can't quit my job, but I come for a couple of weeks. I went for a couple of weeks, and, of course, it ended up going for the rest of my life. But he was such an interesting person and such a, a different person than when he was on stage. On stage, he was a big rock star. Off stage, he was such a humble human being that cared about everything, that loved animals and just, I don't know, we just, we just clicked so well um, on everything. What was it like conversing with him? Because he says in this documentary, he loved the library room in his house because it was filled with words. And yes. He was so articulate. We yes. We, we yeah. have a huge library with all kinds of books, medieval books, science fiction books. He was very into, um, you know, dreams and, and, and different things back in the day and, and just sci-fi and stuff. And we, we just clicked on all those things that we all loved. And, and we would, our whole house is decorated like that. As our house is very medieval, very Gothic. And, you know, we brought back a lot of stuff from England in the eighties. We have like, windows that are from cathedrals and and things we just loved all those all those old things that we just love i even love the smell of old stuff he was so articulate with his lyrics in his song and be able to convey a message to to his listeners who are absorbing his music what was conversations with him like well, we would always talk about his music and whatever, but his songs that he wrote, he always wrote for the underdog. He always wrote for the person that was maybe too short, too fat, too tall, too whatever, and um, oh, who had been bullied or so on. And he always would want to keep the, you know, get them. This, this, his songs were always like you had to decipher for yourself what it was about. But basically the message was always like just, you know, keep on. Don't let someone put you down. You're good. Believe in yourself. And, um, you know, we had, we, we would, we would at home, obviously we'd have conversations with that, but we also, you know, we loved our animals and, and he loved sports. He loved to watch sports on TV, write music with sport while he was uh, playing a guitar on, on the couch. And, you know, our life was, was very similar to everybody's everyday life. We, we would stay home when he was off the road. He would stay home and sit in his sweats that he bought from Walmart and, and, you know, watch TV or have friends over with, and, and sit with the bar. We brought a bar back from England from the 1800s from a pub. And um, that was his favorite time to sit home and with his friends. What's amazing about this documentary is when when Ronnie was, was living, he was known as this iconic figure, uh, you know, with a with a – amazing voice and i think what this documentary shows is yes he is that but the person he was the individual he was and how there was a section in the documentary that is going to be released as a deluxe edition as i mentioned next friday but there's a a point in the in the documentary where people talk about him remembering remembering stuff from a fan told him years ago and they were so, so amazed about how he remembered. And that just goes to show how much care and how much empathy he had for the people that came to visit him and came to shake his hand after a show. Oh, he loved his fans. He loved people. And he had an amazing memory. I, I have no idea how he could remember things. He would meet someone and they would talk to him for, you know, and, and talk about their son or their wife or something. 
And like he'd see him like a year or so later and say, oh, how's your son? How's your wife? And he'd remember their names. I was like blown away. I have, he had such an amazing memory, amazing memory. What does his music mean to you? We know what it means to the fans, but what does it mean to you? It means to me his wonderful way of creativity and, and sending a message to kids and hopefully, you know, I get, I get letters from kids that say, I was down, I was ready to commit suicide, I was down, and then I listened to Ronnie's music and he was telling me that I should do this and, and I should follow my dreams and I should do that. And you know what? It's so uplifting and that means so much for me. It, it means a lot to so many. I mean, when you really dive into his lyrics, there there is a, a positive, beautiful message in a, in a lot of his music and a lot of his songs. And when he was when all the controversy was surrounding him and other bands in the 80s about, you know, being into the devil and all this stuff, I, I think the fans more or less chuckled because when you yeah. read his lyrics, there was nothing of the sort. no. He always recognized uh, good and evil, and you have a choice. And that's a lot of things. A lot of things are written about that. There's your choice. You know, don't go down the dark path, but uh, take the, take the good path. Again, going back to putting this together, what was the process for you in selecting a director and the story for the documentary and and reviewing it? How much involvement did you have in this? A lot of involvement. Um, I was very protective of Ronnie's stuff. Um, people had asked me for many, many years to do a documentary, but it was never the right time. It was never the right people. Um, but then um, I met Don and Demian, and uh, they were big fans of Ronnie's. They knew a lot of stuff about Ronnie, and we started to uh, – and BMG had, um, had – had, they financed it, and um, we started talking with them. And the more and more I got to know them, I gave them a little bit, but I'm very protective of Ronnie's stuff. I gave them a little bit to work with. And then as I got to know them, I gave them more and more. And in the end, I just gave them everything. So, you know, they did it. I think they did a fantastic job of putting everything together. But I was, I was on hand all the way through this. I wanted the story to be about Ronnie, about his life, about who he was. You know, this isn't a documentary of like a usual rock documentary with sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It wasn't anything to do with that because Ronnie wasn't that kind of person. Being protective of his legacy is very important to you, obviously. But putting this together, there has to be, you know, a, a sense of, of trust, right? And you kind of just spoke to it a, a little bit there. How did you overcome that? I don't want to say lack of trust, but getting to trust the individuals that were there. I know you spent a little time with them and they were fans, but there has to be a process for you. Oh, yeah. His legacy and how much love you guys had for each other. How did you overcome that stuff? Uh, because I worked with them for three years because COVID hit in the middle and uh, which was sad because they couldn't go and interview like Tony Iommi until later, but it also gave us more time to get to know each other, to work with things, to look through more, through the, the archives more and more. And the more I got to know them, the more I trusted them and the more I knew that they wanted to do. They had 
their heart set the way I wanted it. I wanted it to be a story about Ronnie. I wanted people to know things, to bring some things that even the diehard fans didn't know about Ronnie. And um, we ended up working together. I, I, I actually was in Philadelphia last week, and I uh, we had dinner together. They're, they're just friends now. They've become friends. They've become part of my life. It's fascinating. You know, you spoke about this being done during during the pandemic and him having to wait because of the of the pandemic. And and it just goes to show that, you know, things happen for a reason. And I believe this story is told the way you envisioned it, the way you wanted it. And it took a lot of patience on your part too as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, you know, we were, we were, um, and I didn't want, there was a lot of people that wanted to be in, in the documentary, but I only wanted people that really knew Ronnie really well and that were really close to Ronnie because, you know, why put this name or that name in there just because? No, I wanted just the people that were really close with Ronnie and, and, uh, you know, they loved Ronnie and Ronnie loved them and we, we would spend a lot of time with those people. That's another great thing about this documentary is, you know, everyone from Tony Iommi to Sebastian Bach to Rob Helford and to even guys that were in his band later on in, in the later years, like Doug Aldrich and Jeff Pilson. It just mm-hmm. really encapsulated his career. And it was great to see kind of that timeline that, mm-hmm. you know, spanned his his music career and all the people involved in it and all the people he impacted. And there were even fans you know the, the collector who has you know these old 45s of when you know ronnie was in these in these uh these bands in the 60s and the late 50s and stuff that was fascinating to me because i had always heard about that but to actually see someone talk about it and see images and in, in, in recordings of it that just blew my mind that's what we wanted we we really dug into the archives and a lot of the stuff you know that we got ronnie's you know ronnie's mom had kept uh scrapbooks and scrapbooks from from day one which was we we went through a lot of those and then of course Ronnie's cousin David Rock Feinstein who was in Elf supplied us with some of the Elf stuff and you know it was just um it was a a bittersweet journey but it was uh it was a journey that um I'm glad I went through because I relived so many moments uh that you know we spent together look at photographs and remember that time and maybe cry a little bit but you know ronnie's still here i, I talk to him all the time he's hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Still here. The amazing connection for me and how I connected the dots in the documentary was he spoke about the horrific accident um, with his band, the Electric Elves, you know, prior to uh, Ronnie being known globally. And it impacted him because one of his bandmates was passed away as a result of the crash. And I connect that to Rainbow in the Dark. Um, which was the first song that people were really introduced to him as the Dio band. And I can't help but think anytime that I have an issue or have to overcome a challenge, I think of that rainbow in the dark, you know, out of something bad, something good happens. And I think overall, the underlying message of Ronnie's music and how he articulated it was all about keep pushing forward, keep moving forward, believe in yeah. yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, I mean, even with like, holy diver and you look at the album cover and people go oh gosh it's a it's a devil you know drowning a priest ronnie's thing was okay so how do you know that that's a devil and that's a a, a priest how do you know that that's a good guy and the bad guy just because of they what they've got they what they look like you never judge your book by the cover always look to the heart that's what's important is their heart it's not important that what they look like you know like with the kids you know that there's fans you know, it doesn't matter if they're short or fat or ugly or whatever or the way they dress. It's what's inside them. It's the heart that matters. Absolutely. And as fans get excited for the release of the deluxe edition on the 29th of September of Dreamers Never Die, we also have another release that came out today, and that is a deluxe package of the last four final albums of Dio, the last four studio albums, released in a beautiful package with, you know, four CDs, uh, some vinyl too as well. What was it like putting that together for you? Oh, that was uh, that was great. I mean, vinyl back is wonderful. Ronnie would have been so so happy because, you know, he always said it was such a shame when CD CDs and and cassettes came in because you couldn't see the artwork anymore. And this is a wonderful set with all beautiful colored vinyl that they've done with the four last albums that Ronnie did, and it's an amazing set. I'm really really pleased with what they did and how they presented it. I'm very very happy with that. BMG is an amazing company to work with. They're really great. They give me so much uh, control and they pass everything by me before anything goes out and I'm very very happy I think it's a great collection I think it's really something the fans will really love 
Absolutely. And, and for me, being a Dio fan, you know, these are the albums that were kind of in that lost period of rock music and heavy metal in the 90s that maybe were not on a lot of people's radar at the time because of such, the, you know, the change that was going on in the music business. But these albums are incredible. And I know we talk about the classic albums like Holy Diver and The Last in Line, but these albums are right up there with them. And the material and the songs, particularly for me, Killing the Dragon is always, I've always considered to be an amazing album. So for Dio fans that may have forgotten about these albums or maybe not have put them in the same light as the classic ones that he's known for, you have to get this, this box set because these all, all four final albums are amazing. Yeah, but especially with the Magicker as well, you know, he, he wanted that to be a trilogy and, um, he, he wrote obviously the first one. He was writing the second one and unfortunately he never got to finish the trilogy, but that was, uh, that was something he really loved to do. He wanted that to be kind of like, like a, a rock opera kind of thing. And then, and, and uh, he was very happy working with that, with all of them actually. And, you know, I mean, Angry Machines, you've got that wonderful, this is your life song on that and which is one of my favorite songs. So, yeah, no, I think it's going to be great. I think the fans are going to really enjoy it. As we celebrate Ronnie and continue to celebrate Ronnie, and, you know, we as we watch the documentary, one of the last moments in the film is about how he wanted to record another album with the Heaven and Hell uh, group with Geezer and Tony and, and, and the tour that they did. What what was any was there any other plans to do things or was he just focused on that before he got sick? Ronnie only focused on one thing at a time. You know, people would ask him to do different things. He'd say, no, I have to do one thing at a time. He was really looking forward to making another album with the band. And I'm really, really happy that he got to be back with the Sabs before he passed away and everything was great because he really enjoyed playing with them. They were like monster. They were like, keep, they all used to say it was hard keeping up with each other because, you know, you got this amazing riff master of Tony Iommi, you got the great bass player with Geezer and you got Vinnie Apice, the drum monster, and it was just so amazing. They, and then they were such good friends at the end. It was just really, really great. I still keep in touch with all those people. What did Ronnie think of his legacy? Did he ever talk about it? Did he ever discuss that? No. No, he was too much of a humble person. He didn't, you know, he, Ronnie was, you know, he just, he cared about people. He cared about loving people, about his animals. He cared about that. He didn't care about money. He didn't care about clothes. He didn't care about any of those things. He just, you know, he, he was just a different, ultra human being. What do you attribute that to? His upbringing, you know, how did he, how do you think he developed that perspective? Because that's very rare in the business that he was in, because there are a lot of egos. And one of the things that's conveyed in this documentary is the lack of ego Ronnie had. Yeah, and I think a lot of it was his upbringing, a very strict Italian upbringing. But also, I think, and they had good values, very good values. But I think that you know, he paid his dues so many times. It was a hard, long road to get anywhere for Ronnie. And along the way, you know, he realized that, you know, you, you, you can't, you just have to keep going and keep going and keep going and don't let yourself get down. Just, you know, be positive all the time about things. And that's the way he was. And, and so I think that's kind of just uh, paying your dues, I think is what, what he used to call it, paying your dues. He used to say, you know, <clears throat> You know, but it's an overnight success. Everybody thinks they are, but they've all paid their dues along the way. It's a long, hard road getting to somewhere, and he, and he did. As a fan of, of Ronnie's, I think his legacy 
to me is he lived it. He lived by the words that he sang through all the difficulties he had from elf to rainbow into Sabbath and then creating his own band, his own brand and curating these songs, writing these songs about being positive, believing yourself. It's really easy to write that stuff. It's really easy to tell people what to do, other people what to do, but to actually live it is the most admirable thing. And there's so much evidence of that. And that's the most remarkable thing about Ronnie, in my opinion, being a fan of him and his music. Oh, definitely. He lived, he lived what he was. There was nothing fake about Ronnie at all. Nothing fake whatsoever. He loved his fans. They loved him back. He would sit and talk to them for hours on end because that's what he was all about. That was what he loved to do more than anything was, was to be with his fans. As we close the interview and we celebrate these two releases of Ronnie James Dio and we appreciate your presence here on this interview and in, in our discussion. Is there anything that you're working on down the road that will will appease and make deal fans happy? Well we've got the we've got our charity, the the Bowl for Ronnie coming up on November sixteenth at Pins in Los Angeles, where we raise a bunch of money for um for uh research and cancer. Um we uh next year we'll have um we'll have an album coming out that uh Rhino's working on which will be Lost in Line with a uh remix by a producer I don't know who it is yet, but we'll pick one with they did one last year with um with with Joe Barishi, uh which was great. Um and I've got some other unreleased material that one day we'll show the light um, working on it, but it's got to be the way everything has to be the way Ronnie wanted it. He was, he was like a perfectionist. It had to be good and it had to be up to standard. So I have to work very carefully to make sure that everything is up to standard that we put out. Wendy, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. And thank you for releasing these two packages of DO's music and the documentary. Thank you so much for having me. Couldn't do it without you guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Thank you, Wendy. Everyone, that is is Wendy Dio, the wife of Ronnie James Dio. Please don't forget to go to RonnieJamesDio.com, the website, and pick up and order his deluxe edition of the documentary being released next Friday. And also get the box set of the four final albums released today. Once again, I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Me podcast. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we will talk again soon. Thank you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.